Welcome to episode 91 of the Truth Quest podcast, the truth about Joe Biden. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you are on social media and topics such as Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, socialism, secession, abortion, or the United States at war comes up, please share the topic-specific TruthQuest episode with your debate partner. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean.com, and most recently, ThinkSpot. The video versions of the podcast are available on YouTube, BitChute.com, and Brighteon.com. If you are listening to this on the Apple Podcast app, please take a moment and scroll down on the podcast page and give it a five-star rating. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through Facebook and Twitter advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for details. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. In the last episode, we examined the life of Bernie Sanders, Mr. Free Shit. Even though his campaign is over, I thought it was important to produce the Bernie episode, so when the next generation socialist candidate raises his or her ugly head, we have some documented lessons learned in which to fight off the socialist movement of the National Democratic Party. Today I want to turn our attention to Joe Biden, Mr. I Can't Remember Shit, also known as Quib Pro Quo Joe, for reasons I will explain later. Like his friend Bernie, we have another guy with no real-world work experience looking to run the most powerful country on the planet. His resume is as follows. He received five student draft deferments during the Vietnam War, which just so happens to be the same number of deferments received by, drumroll please, former Vice President Dick Cheney. As you may recall, the media never let Cheney or their viewers forget that. Have you ever heard that about Biden? Likely not. I wonder why. He became a lawyer in 1969, was elected to the Newcastle County Council in 1970 through 1972 while trying to run his own law firm, Biden and Walsh. Corporate law apparently did not appeal to him and criminal law did not pay well enough, so he supplemented his income by managing properties for a couple years. That was it for real-world experience, two short years. He then became the Delaware senator for the next 36 years. I mean, seriously, folks, I understand that some of you find that to be quite an accomplishment, but if kissing ass, backstabbing, lying, manipulating, and spending other people's money is your idea of admirable, you are listening to the wrong podcast. Biden, of course, served as Obama's vice president for eight years, taking his career in Washington to over four decades. Is there anything more worthless than a career politician? After completing his second term as vice president, Biden joined the faculty of the University of Pennsylvania, where he was named the Benjamin Franklin Professor of Presidential Practice, which means sign an employment contract, show up a handful of times, give a couple of speeches bragging about all the good things you think you did, and collect a couple hundred thousand dollars salary. Good gig if you can get it. To round out his resume, Biden sought the Democratic presidential nomination three times in 1988, 2008, and 2020. We'll discuss this later. And finally, not really a resume item, but a health item. Did you know that shortly after dropping out of the race in 1988, he had brain surgery twice to repair aneurysms? For a guy who spent 40 years in the Senate, his voting record is ripe for scrutiny. 
If you paid the slightest bit of attention to the Democratic nomination process, you probably witnessed Kamala Harris go after Joe on his school busing votes back in the 1970s. He was also attacked for his 1994 crime bill, his position on the death penalty, his stance on abortion, his vote on the Iraq war, his numerous votes for legislation beneficial to big bad banks, many of which were based in his home state of Delaware, and were large Biden donors. He also supported the Hyde Amendment and the Defense of Marriage Act. He also supported the TARP bailout. There are people in prison today for over 30 years for possession of crack cocaine. That's part of the crime bill that Biden boasts about. What do you think is the racial component of this impacted population? Hello, National Democrats. You are the ones who bash us over the head with racial injustice day after day, and this is your nominee? Biden is also a huge advocate for one of the most constitutionally destructive laws in a generation, civil asset forfeiture laws. More on that later. Remember, Biden's home state of Delaware is home of what many refer to as slack corporate bankruptcy laws and other advantages for corporations, which is why thousands of companies incorporate in the state of Delaware. As one of the state's senators, Biden has to make sure that the big business interest is addressed. Biden played footsie with Delaware-based MBNA and other credit card companies for decades. Lots of money donated to him and a couple shady Biden family ties to the company are known. Again, how do national Democrats in the mainstream media that demonize corporations on a daily basis reconcile their nominee being in bed with these same nasty corporations? Biden has been described as one of the war party's most reliable servants, endorsing an as absolutely correct then-President Clinton's attack on Yugoslavia, and of course he was a big proponent for going into Iraq, a position that his Democratic rivals like Bernie pound him to this day. If I'm honest with you, all of this shit bores me. Bernie can pick his voting record apart if he wants, Trump and the GOP definitely will, but I couldn't care less, because most of what comes out of D.C. is unconstitutional, so discussing it is largely a waste of time. But what I do find important are Biden's ideas. What does he advocate for today? Well, it ain't nothing good, that's for sure. Let's review some of his ideas. Well, first, he wants to end the fracking boom. He wants to end new oil and gas leases on federal land and end offshore drilling. So much for energy independence. I guess he would rather have the Saudis have us by the balls. He thinks it's a good idea putting Beto, we are going to take your guns, O'Rourke, in charge of gun control legislation and he favors a national firearm registry. No privacy issues there. He is an advocate for free tuition at public colleges and universities for students whose family incomes are less than $125,000 a year. Can't find this in the Constitution. No need to address the root cause of the outrageous cost of college. If you're interested in that, listen to episode 39. Biden favors a federal minimum wage hike to $15 an hour. That policy is not only unconstitutional, but it's a proven failure and hurts low and no skill workers. Hell, why not make it $20 an hour, $25 an hour? See episode 4 for more about that. Biden wants a federal mandate for family leave. Again, can't find that in the Constitution. He opposes for-profit charter schools. Well, of course he does. So do the teachers' unions that donate to Democrats at over a 90% rate. 
Biden has taken the position that he will not consider any candidate who is a man or a woman who is white, Asian, Hispanic, or other minority that is not black, no matter how qualified, for the Supreme Court. He's basically pledged to discriminate against white people and any other race in any Supreme Court nomination process. He would only look to nominate black females. The Supreme Court itself has declared that such race and gender conditions are strictly unconstitutional for admission to public colleges. This guy just trying way too hard to pander to the identity politics crowd in the Democratic Party. Biden is in favor of a carbon tax and raising capital gains rates. Nothing like a couple of taxes on economic development to kill an economy. Listen to Episode 7, The Truth About Climate Change, for more on that topic. And last but not least, Biden wants to increase taxes on the wealthy. Well, of course he does. You can't be a national Democrat in good standing and not want to fleece the nasty rich people. Check out Episodes 36 and 63, The Truth About the Wealth Tax and The Truth About Billionaires, for more on that. So let's deal with the elephant in the room, Joe's mental capacity. We know he's a gaffe machine, which I will address in a minute, but there is something seriously wrong with this guy, and the media is yet again guilty of malpractice for ignoring it. Not only is the guy in his late 70s, but he had brain surgery, as I mentioned, as a younger man. Some of the things he said just recently are enough to call into question his mental acuity. In one of the debates, he said 150 million people have been killed in America by guns since 2007. He told a crowd that he was running for the United States Senate and referred to the Super Tuesday primary as Super Thursday. Quoting from the Declaration of Independence, he said, quote, We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the, you know, you know the thing, we the people, end quote. Now, I'm willing to cut Joe some slack on this one. Is it possible that in mid-sentence he realized that in front of a Democratic audience, he couldn't say anything about God? All men are created equal, endowed by their creator. So maybe he just stopped in mid-sentence and had a hard time recovering. In addition to that, Biden is a bully. You gotta look at how he interacts with people over the years. Some of his greatest hits include challenging an 83-year-old voter to a push-up contest and offering to go outside and fight him. He called him a damn liar. And he said, you're too fat and too old to vote for me. I mean, real classy there, Joe. Think about the criticism heaped on Trump when he calls out the fake news at his rallies. Remember Trump's rhetoric towards protesters at one of his rallies? Get him out of here! Get him out of here! He yelled. The media went batshit crazy, rightfully calling Trump a bully. Not so with old Joe. Party over principle every time. Joe said to a Michigan voter, quote, Don't be such a horse's ass. And don't tell me that, pal, or I'm going to go out and slap you in the face. And just the other day, as I was preparing the content for this episode, Biden said to an auto worker in Detroit who accused him of trying to take the, his Second Amendment rights away, Biden says, quote, you're full of shit. Then he turns and says, wait, 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 I'll take your AR-14s, a gun that doesn't exist. Part of Biden's charm for supporters and detractors alike is his career-long propensity to of making speaking gaffes. His supporters say, oh, it's just Joe being Joe, and his critics just make good use of it in memes. Don't believe me? And in December 2018, Biden himself said, quote, I am a gaffe machine. This year, talking to Iowans about Donald Trump, he said, quote, we choose unity over division. We choose science over fiction. We choose truth over facts. Huh? 
He has made claims that a shotgun is easier to handle than an AR-15, which is not true. He followed that up with some advice about dealing with an intruder. Quote, just fire the shotgun through the door. Well, hopefully it isn't your 18-year-old coming home from a date. During that same exchange, he said, quote, I said to Jill, referring to his wife, if there's ever a problem, just walk out on the balcony here, walk out and put that double-barrel shotgun and fire two blasts outside of the house. I'm pretty sure that's against the law in every state. Nonetheless, who's going to question the Democratic VP? Do you remember this little gem? Quote, you cannot go into a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. I'm not joking. Or this one from 2008. Three-letter word, jobs. Or this one, when the stock market crashed, Franklin D. Roosevelt got on the television and didn't just talk about the, you know, the princes of greed, end quote. Unfortunately for Biden, Herbert Hoover was president during the 1929 Wall Street crash, and the television didn't exist. In a 2012 speech on foreign policy, Biden praised President Obama's approach to diplomacy. Quote, now is the time to heed the timeless advice from Teddy Roosevelt. Speak softly and carry a big stick. End quote. Biden then added, quote, I promise you, the president has a big stick. As the audience laughed, Biden repeated, I promise you. So all that's good and fun, and it's always fun to make fun of our national political leaders. But let's talk a little bit more about his character. Like most of his colleagues in D.C., Biden is a compulsive liar. He fits very well in the swamp. Hell, he better. He spent almost 50 years there. On December 18, 1972, Biden's wife and one-year-old daughter Naomi were killed in an automobile accident. For years, Biden has lied, saying that his wife and daughter were killed by a drunk driver. He still trots that out on occasions to this very day. Why would he lie about such a thing and assume that the truth would never come out? What kind of person does that? During his 1988 presidential nomination run, he was accused of plagiarism in a stump speech. Do a search on Biden plagiarism 1988 and see for yourself. Then other instances of plagiarism in speeches in the past came to light, pretty much ending his campaign. Is the guy that shallow that he's at a loss for his own thoughts that he cannot give his speechwriter something to work with? At Syracuse University College of Law, Biden used five pages from a published law review article without quotation or attribution, that according to a faculty report. He cited the source in only a single footnote. Okay, whatever. In a letter to the law school faculty pleading that not to be dismissed from school, Biden wrote, If I had intended to cheat, would I have been so stupid? I value my word above all else. Goodness gracious, would I have been so stupid? Probably, Mr. Biden. In another instance, he claimed that he was arrested in South Africa as a senator for attempting to visit Nelson Mandela in prison. That was a lie. During one of his presidential nomination campaigns, a video was released where Biden boasts to a New Hampshire voter that he has three college degrees, was named outstanding student in the political science department, finished in the top half of his class in law school, and had a full-ride scholarship to law school, none of which was true. Again, what kind of person feels compelled to lie about their academic record, especially with such an arrogant asshole attitude? I'll tell you who does that. The kind of guy who cheats by using other people's words in his own speeches and in his law school papers. How about this gem on the 2012 campaign trail? When talking about Republican candidate Mitt Romney's plans for Wall Street, 
Biden told an audience that included many African Americans, quote, they're going to put you all back in chains. Again, very classy. And you got to love Biden when it comes to Obama. He takes credit for everything that he feels is good. That was the Obama-Biden administration, he says. Oh, really? Does anyone really think Obama asked Joe's opinion on much of anything beyond his relationships in Congress? Everyone knows Joe was chosen as VP because he was white, a long-standing member of the D.C. establishment with a fair amount of foreign policy experience, and his relationships with Congress. All things that Obama lacked. Plus, the Obama team figured Biden was too old to run for president after Obama's term, so that sometimes complicated relationship was put to bed, much like Bush and Cheney. Now, everyone knows nepotism and corruption are cottage industries in Washington, D.C., as a ruling class cash in on their power. The consequences for National Democrats is minimal, if anything, given the media's lack of interest in pursuing stories that make them look bad. That is certainly the case for high-ranking Democrats with a last name like Clinton or Biden. While the former perfected the practice, Biden had a slightly different approach given the size of his clan. So much power and influence to wield and spread around and so much time to do it. Almost a half century. Most people who pay the least bit of attention to national politics are aware of Biden's son, Hunter. We will discuss him in a few minutes, but, but Joe has a couple siblings that have, shall we say, cashed in on their brother's position. Biden's sister, Valerie. Now, she's the least dirty of the Biden clan. She served as the campaign manager for his past presidential campaigns and directed $2.5 million from Citizens for Biden and Biden for President, Inc. to her own consulting firm during her brother's 2008 presidential bid. Biden's brother James, however, he's taking it to a different level. He's currently facing a wide array of litigation over allegedly fraudulent activities. Years ago, his firm received $1.5 billion in government contracts to build houses in Iraq despite the lack of experience in the international development industry. Going back to the early 1970s, there is James securing generous loans to launch an unsuccessful nightclub. At the time, James had a net worth of about $10,000 and no business experience. But his brother was a newly elected United States senator, by golly. Back to Hunter Biden now. He's the one that was dishonorably discharged from the Navy after testing positive for cocaine. His personal life is equally as messy as his naval career. He had three children with his first wife. Then he started dating his brother's widow. Then he got divorced. Then the widow relationship ended. Then he married another woman in 2019, while sometime in there got a stripper pregnant. Just last week, a contempt motion was filed by the strippers stating that Hunter willfully defied court orders to provide documents as he continued to skirt his financial responsibility for his own kid. He was scheduled to be deposed in Arkansas but cited the dangers of traveling with the coronavirus scare as it would unnecessarily expose his wife and unborn children to the virus. And for all his misgivings, Hunter was rewarded with an appointment to the board of Burisma Holdings, a Ukrainian energy company, where he earned up to $83,000 a month with no experience either in the industry or any significant business experience that would even warrant a board position at your local BFW. Now remember, this entire episode in Ukraine is what led to the President Trump's impeachment. And while the mainstream media and the Democrats in Congress twisted themselves in knots trying to prove that Trump withheld funds to the Ukrainian government in a quid pro quo deal to investigate the Biden's obvious corruption in that country, 
Joe Biden actually admitted to doing that very same thing in 2018 when he boastfully told the Council on Foreign Relations that he withheld $1 billion loan guarantee from the Ukrainians if a state prosecutor was not fired. Now, what do you think that state prosecutor was investigating that got Biden's attention? It just so happened that he was investigating corruption at Burisma Holdings. Thus, his nickname from President Trump, Quid Pro Quo Joe. Talk about lack of judgment. Besides the obvious corruption and problems with a maneuver like this involving the company for which his son is getting an assload of money from, and the same types of political maneuvering that the Democrats impeached President Trump over, the bigger question is what kind of person talks so arrogantly with no second thought about the implications over the nepotistic relationship he's forged with Burisma? Unless, of course, he knows he is safe because the media isn't going to say shit. As with Bernie, Joe is no friend to the Constitution. In 1981, Biden bragged about the sweeping scope of civil asset forfeiture. Listen to this quote. Under our forfeiture statutes, the government can take everything you own, everything from your car to your house to your bank account, not merely what they confiscate in terms of dollars of the transaction you've been caught engaging in. They can take everything, end quote. If you're not familiar with asset forfeiture, it's the practice of the government, both federal, state, and local, taking the assets and cash of a suspected criminal prior to conviction. No presumed innocence, no due process, no trial by jury, no deference to unreasonable searches and seizures. Seizures. The word is in the Constitution, yet so-called leaders like Joe actually celebrate violating it. There's numerous other examples of him spitting on the Constitution, but that one really displays his contempt in very concise terms. Finally, we have what many refer to as Creepy Joe. I mean, the dude's weird. He has a penchant for sniffing women's hair and performing like a modified, gentle headbutt as he typically whispers in the victim's ears. Multiple women have accused Biden of making them feel uncomfortable by touching them and violating their personal space, but the media doesn't have time for the silliness like that. You should watch the videos of it. It's pretty creepy. In 2017, he talked about his leg hair and how in the summer his friends would rub it when it got wet. And his finale for this particular speech was to say, quote, I've loved kids jumping on my lap. As my son would say, what is going on? More recently, he nibbled on his wife's finger at a campaign event. Oh, and he smells babies. Look, look, I get it. I used to smell my kids' heads when they were babies. There's something about that smell, but you can't smell other people's kids' heads, Creepy Joe. His interrogation of Anita Hill during the Clarence Thomas hearings was, shall we say, uncomfortable? You gotta watch the clips where he forces her to state the name of a porn star. Very creepy. He apologized to Hill last year as his campaign ramped up, but pardon me if I don't take it too seriously. 30 years too late, Creepy Joe. And finally, an incident that I debated whether it should be in the gaff machine category or in the Creepy Joe category. After you hear it, you can tell me if I chose wisely. During a conference call with reporters in 2007, Biden assessed the strengths of fellow presidential hopeful Barack Obama by saying, quote, I mean, you've got the first sort of mainstream African-American who is articulate and bright and clean and nice-looking guy. 
I mean, that's a storybook, man. End quote. <laughs> I mean, come on. Mainstream African-American, articulate and bright, clean and nice looking. I mean, really? Joe seems to have a pretty low opinion of African-Americans, but at least he's consistent in his ethnic and racial observations. Remember the 7-Eleven Dunkin' Donuts comment? If you give Biden the benefit of the doubt, he simply has a strange lack of self-awareness, which is a bad quality in a leader of the free world. At worst, he's a creepy dude. Oh, and one more thing. I, I can't help but wonder why Obama never endorsed Joe, at least up to this point in mid-March 2020. There's something going on behind the scenes. I mean, when the race came down to Bernie and Biden, why didn't Obama jump in and just squash Bernie like a bug? I think that question will be answered in the ensuing months. Personally, I find Joe Biden to be tremendously unimpressive. I find him to be uninspiring and unaccomplished. Many of his policy prescriptions are born out of stupidity, ignorance, or pandering, or some combination of all of them. I just don't find politicians worthy of worship, especially those who hang around for almost 50 years. As a matter of fact, most of the national politicians not only don't deserve respect, they deserve contempt and disdain for their repeated violation of their oath of office. And you know, Donald Trump may be a lot of things, but the one thing he definitely is, is lucky. Think about the two people had to or will compete against for the presidency. One was the most corrupt politician of our generation, someone with zero charisma, zero charm, zero empathy, who appeared to anyone who paid any attention to be quite ill, despite the fact that the media ignored it. Hillary was, in a word, deplorable. And in 2020, facing an economy in freefall, the world facing a pandemic, Trump will face Mr. I-can't-remember-shit quid pro quo Joe, a man who couldn't inspire an 80-year-old grandma to flee her coronavirus-infected grandson, much less inspire a nation to climb out of a recession-slash-depression and deal with the dangerous world we now live in. If you're looking for an easy-to-read reference guide to have on your desk or bookshelf that covers many of the topics tackled here on the TruthQuest podcast, grab a copy of my book, Critical Thinking, spelled with a P like Paul, the subtitle is The Lost Art of Critical Thinking and Common Sense in Politics and Public Policy. In it, I tackle dozens of public policy issues from a logical and pragmatic perspective. It's available at Amazon and anywhere books are sold. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for more information. And please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast.